0: good morning. The title of this morning's message is Use Your Ears, subtitled Listening Practice Part Two. (laughs) This morning I am picking up on the same theme as my last message, Listening Practice, which is about hearing God, especially through reading his word. So this too is a testimony message that includes my stories of how God taught me and continues to teach me how to hear him. So just so that we're on the same page, I want to give you just a little recap. When talking about hearing God, we must begin by believing what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. We have to come to the same conclusion. God says, I can hear. I have to believe what he says is true. I hear his voice. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. God has given us the gift of being able to hear and to distinguish his voice. Every believer has spiritual ears. Our spiritual ears can hear the voice of God on the inside of ourselves. We can and do hear God speak into our thoughts. And often we know it's him because of the repetition of the thought. I have a friend who lives out in Arizona. And when she starts coming to mind over and over, And over is like, okay, it's time to call. (laughs) Something's going on. And really all we ever do is we talk about what's going on in our lives and we pray for each other. God knows we all need that kind of fellowship. We all need that kind of relationship. We all need someone to help lift up our burdens. And so that's what happens. So oftentimes it is that name that comes to mind, that family member that keeps coming to mind, that friend you haven't seen in 10 years that comes to mind. And you think, where did that thought come from? I wasn't even anywhere near that in my mind. It is the unfamiliarness of it or the repetition of it. It's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, He will not only do that with people, but about things I need to do. (laughs) Remember, you got to do this. Remember, you got to do this. I love this morning. Michelle was saying she was planning to pick up Patty and PJ. She forgot to write herself a note. But God didn't forget. (laughs) That's our Jesus. He helps us remember the things that we forget. I also love that Jesus says in this scripture, I know them. He didn't say they know me. In other words, hearing him isn't based on how well or how long I've known him. You know, it is about he knows me. (laughs) And because he knows me, he knows how to talk to me and get me to understand that he is trying to lead me in a way that I recognize. In other words, He meets me where I am and He leads me into the green pastures and still waters, <laughs> all by hearing His voice, and especially through reading His word. Also, God is not into yelling. He doesn't use earthquakes, fires, tornadoes, etc., in order to talk to us. He speaks to us in the still small voice of the Holy Spirit, which means we need to draw near to hear what He's saying. When we draw near to Him, He draws near to us. Now that sounds kind of funny, if you think about it. It's a funny way to explain how we hear God by quote-unquote drawing near. Because God lives on the inside of us. He can't get any physically closer. (laughs) But drawing near is about hearing and sensing His presence and His voice. God is never far away from us, but sometimes our thoughts are way far away from His thoughts. (laughs) Our thoughts can be overrun with our own emotions and our own fears many, 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 many years ago, (laughs) when I found out that my first husband was an adulterer and a repeat offender, I was actually at church, and I had this thought. I could kill you. And I wasn't kidding. (laughs) It wasn't one of those, I'm just really mad. No, no. I know people who know people who I could call who would be happy to take care of this for me. I'm a born-again, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, Jesus-loving Christian, and I'm thinking about murder! (laughs) It happens! (laughs) When we get really, really hurt, that hurt, that pain, that betrayal can speak really, really loud. And that's what was happening to me that day. I was at church, you know, and someone else just happened to tell me about seeing my husband with yet a different woman. And I'm thinking, really, you got to tell me this church? <laughs> and the strangest thing happened. While I'm having these thoughts, how I could hire somebody to do away with my first husband, <laughs> I felt these arms come up from behind me and restrain me. That's exactly how it felt, except there wasn't a person there. And I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say, you can't do that. What about your kids? So he gets what's coming to him. What about your kids? You can't do that. And so I settled down. (laughs) I can't say that I didn't have those thoughts again, but the same Holy Spirit would come and say, don't let your pain destroy your life. Don't let what happened to you take away from you and your family. After I settled down and I went home, I had never experienced having the sensation of somebody's arms around me. It wasn't all like a warm, fuzzy feeling. It felt like physical arms went around me and was restraining me. (laughs) Like you hold a little kid who wants to have their own way, and they're like, you know, struggling to get away. That was me. I could feel those arms. And I said, Lord, what about this? I've never heard anybody talk about something like this. And he led me to 2 Corinthians 5.14. And it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. It was the arms and the voice of love himself that restrained my actions and my heart. God didn't have to yell, even though my thoughts were loud and raging and out of control. (laughs) Not only did I hear him speak, but he confirmed my experience through his word. That's important. We must always be willing to submit our thoughts and our experiences to the word of God even as Jesus submitted himself and his thoughts to his father when he prayed in the darkest point of his life nevertheless not my will but yours be done hearing the voice of the father was everything to Jesus so it should be with us no matter what we think we need what we really need is a word from God so that's basically our recap you can and do hear God God has given us spiritual ears that do hear. God doesn't yell. He speaks in a still, small voice of love. And we should always be willing to submit our thoughts and experiences to the truth found in God's Word to avoid being led astray by our emotions or other deceptions. Now, the reason this message is called Use Your Ears is because that's what God started saying to me years ago. One day I went to have my time with God and I wanted God to speak to me through his word about some specific problem. And so like always, I started with, God, please open your word to me. And he said, no. I went, what? (laughs) What do you mean no? (laughs) You see, I was so accustomed as a baby Christian to just opening the word and that's where I start reading. Keep reading until I hear God. Sometimes it would be right away and sometimes it would take days. And so this particular day, he said, no, I won't open it up for you. Use your ears. (laughs) Basically, he was saying, you're a big girl. You're not a baby. You have ears to hear. He's always training us to hear better and better and better. So he said, use your ears. I knew what he meant by that. He wanted me to practice hearing his leading. You see, sometimes God talks to us in our thoughts, And sometimes God talks to us in our spirit, that leading, that prompting. And so this was more listening practice. What I love about God is he always shows up for practice. He shows up for worship practice. He shows up for ministry practice. He shows up for prayer practice. Whatever it is you're practicing, he will show up. (laughs) I love that about him. He doesn't care if you just call it, I'm just practicing listening. I'm just practice hearing today. God's like, yay, I'm right there with you. I'll show you, I hear you. I'll show you, you hear me. God is always trying to train us up in the way we should go. And the better we are at following his leading, the more we can avoid the pitfalls that this life can bring, and the more we can walk in all he has for us. So what I started doing was asking the Lord to bring a scripture reference to mind instead of randomly finding a spot. So I did that for a while. Of course, that works. I still do that. I'm at the grocery store, and I need a word. Scripture reference, you know? Scripture comes to mind. Okay, that's great. So I did that for a while. But then my brain started helping me with familiar scriptures. <laughs> you know, the ones where you get the answer to the question that you're actually looking for anyway. <laughs> and you know it's not really God. It's just you wanting your own way. <laughs> That never happens to anybody here, I'm sure. (laughs) So he said, because I recognize that I hear him better when it's unfamiliar. That's why when we're looking for a particular word or God has put somebody on your heart, you can go to a place in your Bible you don't normally read. And when you start reading there, you see it better. You hear it better. It jumps off. You're like, oh, that's the word. That's what you're saying. That's what I should pray. That's what I should do. And so it's the unfamiliarness of it that helps us see it better. When something is real familiar, we can tend to ignore it. And so he actually likes to talk to us in different kinds of ways so that we know it's him. It may sound funny that we want the word to sometimes feel unfamiliar, but it is one of the ways that he helps us recognize his thoughts and not our own. When we recognize that it's not coming from us, It's like when he tells us to go pray for someone, or to give someone a word of encouragement. Nothing in our flesh wants to do that, (laughs) you know? (laughs) It is that when you start to decipher what is and is not God, when you realize it isn't you. When he says, go be nice to that person who was not nice to you. Nothing in your flesh wants to do that. (laughs) So how do we recognize that that's him? It's just like his character and it's nothing what my flesh wants to do. (laughs) Going out of our way to help somebody we barely know, our flesh doesn't want to do that. And so when we have that leading, that prompting, should I or shouldn't I? (laughs) Is this something I would do on my own? And if we can say, no, I wouldn't do that. You know, Sarah would not be a worship leader if (laughs) she has been assigned by God. And that's the only reason she does it. And it is that thing. She knows she's called to it because nothing in her flesh wants to do that. I have always been a very shy person my entire life. Getting up and talking in front of people was never in my flesh. (laughs) Not for a second. (laughs) So when God says, do this. Hmm, not like me at all. It's him. So anyway, it's often the same way when we read scripture, when we read in an unfamiliar part of the Bible or a different translation. We often hear and recognize his voice better. So when I realized that my brain was getting in the way and helping me, (laughs) I asked God what to do about it. And he said the same thing he said before, use your ears. Only this time I knew he was talking about the unction of the Holy Spirit. Hearing doesn't just happen in our thoughts. It also happens in the heart or center of us. If I had to describe where the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of us, I would say right in the middle. (laughs) This is where I sense him. This is where Sarah senses him. I love this. (laughs) Sarah hates to talk from the piano. But when the unction of the Holy Spirit comes, she says it's like a million butterflies invade her stomach. (laughs) And the pressure grows and grows and grows and grows until she can't take it anymore. (laughs) And then she speaks, but she hears God say, that is unction. (laughs) Sometimes when I'm leaving the house, I get unction. I was like, what? What am I forgetting? Because I don't always get it. Okay, wallet, (laughs) phone, you know, you go through the list, what am I forgetting? Oh, grocery list. I hate when I leave my grocery list on the kitchen table. (laughs) It's unction. Unction is for listening and it's for action. I've learned when I feel that, uh, that unction, wait, you're forgetting something. God's helping me. I've come to learn. Just stop, slow down, calm myself down, but being in such a hurry, (laughs) and listen, and He always helps me find whatever it is I forgot. Sometimes I'm in a really hurry, and it's like, I'll get it later. (laughs) You get six blocks away, you go, oh man, I'm not going to get very far without my wallet. (laughs) Go back to the house, save no time. (laughs) So now when it comes to ministry or following His leading, that prompting comes to me in my stomach. He gives me a thought, and it's like, "Um, is that you, God? Like go pray for somebody or go give somebody a word. When that unction, that inkling, that intuition comes, it's usually trying to get you to do something he wants done. And whatever he wants you to do, he gives you the power to do. That's why the butterflies in Sarah's stomach don't stay small. They get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and pretty soon there's an explosion. That's the way it is for me too. Years ago at our last church, when I got to church, the Lord said to me, don't worship inside the chairs, stand in the back of the room. I said okay. My husband's like whatever, (laughs) whatever makes you happy, go worship over there, okay. So I'm worshiping and the power starts in my tummy. I was like what? Inkling, intuition, prompting, what? And it starts to build, and starts to build. And pretty soon my butterflies are looking for some place to land. And <laughs> what? God, what? And he says, Pastor Felix back there. Go pray for him. So I go back there and said, can I pray for you? And he's like, sure. And I knew, wham, you're going to get it. Because <laughs> I got like a million butterflies they are looking for someone to land on. Wham! And I prayed for him. And I went back to my chair. And I thought, okay. I don't know if that's good, bad or ugly. I know it was God. That's that's all I know. It was God. I found out later he had never before allowed a woman to pray over him. (laughs) So God cornered him in a worship service (laughs) with a crazy woman looking for somebody to let go of her butterflies. that's how God works with me. That's usually how God works with most everybody. There is that inkling. There is that prompting. There is that, I, God, I want to do something through you. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, it says this, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. And the same verse in the ESV version says this, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all things. To be anointed is to be smeared with the Holy Spirit. And to have been smeared means to have contact with. We have been smeared. (laughs) We are smeared with the contact of the Holy Spirit. And so what he does is he brings power. He brings divine enablement. He brings the gifts, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. And so when he is prompting us, he wants to release that power into somebody else. When the Holy Spirit nudges us, I like that word too, nudge, because sometimes that's all it really feels like, its just a little nudging. He gives us the miraculous power of God to do miraculous things, things like hearing Him and recognizing Him. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. In First John 2, 27, it says this, But the anointing that you received from Him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you but as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie just as it has taught you abide in him when we understand that the unction and the having been anointed is the same thing that it is the holy spirit and his power (laughs) that's what it is it's his holy spirit and his power to do to release god it is the holy spirit that leads us into all truth and in this particular verse this verse actually answers the false teaching that believers needed teaching from outside of the gospel and the word of God. There were Gnostics that were trying to tell new believers that they needed somebody else's special teaching in order to get to God. But the Holy Spirit is the teacher of the church, not some new age religious person with secret special knowledges or those who are on the third and second heaven and they have special priorities with God. and like, no, (laughs) we're all seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I don't need somebody to be in the second heaven. (laughs) I'm already in the heaven, (laughs) seated at the right hand of the Father. (laughs) So the Holy Spirit is the teacher. The Holy Spirit abides in every believer, and he is the one that teaches us, especially through his word. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. It kind of bothers me sometimes when when you listen to TV preachers. They talk about the anointing as if it is something separate from God. That only certain people have anointing. Only certain people have divine access to the Holy Spirit. Certain people. And what we've come to realize is some people have just been practicing They're listening. That's all it is. (laughs) It's not that God has given them a special endowment to hear God that other people don't have. The people who hear God well have been practicing. (laughs) That's all. And that's why this message is for everybody, because everybody can practice hearing God. And when we practice, we can practice following the unction. So that when we're out and about and we need God to answer us, to lead us, to direct us. We're so used to recognizing the unction that he doesn't have to send a million butterflies for us to get it. (laughs) The anointing is not something independent of the person of the Holy Spirit. It is the power that the Holy Spirit releases in us. It's not something you earn by fasting. It's not something you earn by reading your Bible. It's not something you earn. But the more we access and practice hearing God, the more he shows up in power because... That's what he wants to do. Most of the time, people don't think God wants to use them. I'm not special. If you ask Sarah, are you a special worship leader? She would, no, no, no. <laughs> now say we know. Why do we know? Because we know the anointing. We know the power of God and how he works in her life and through her life. We see it. You know what? We're supposed to. We recognize God when we see him. That's the point. So she always tells me she doesn't hear God well. It's not true, <laughs> it's not true. I see the evidence of her hearing him every time she ministers. That's the reality for all of us. Most Christians talk themselves out of the reality that they have the ability to hear God constantly and powerfully, and that we have God himself on the inside and he wants to release all the butterflies. He wants to release the power of God into other people, on other people, in situations, in atmospheres, and we have the ability to do that. So the Holy Spirit brings the power of God into operation in us and through us when we cooperate with His unction, with His prompting. The only way we can cooperate with Him, though, is that we have to hear Him, either in our mind or in our unction. (laughs) So then, When I wanted to hear God through his word, he told me, and I brought my Bible here to show you, this is how my Bible looks. Yes, there's a rubber band on the front. (laughs) It's there because it automatically opens to my reading plan. (laughs) And what I do, I read my big picture reading, some in the Old Testament, some in the New. If I have something I'm praying about and I need direction about, I go to my reading plan. Okay, God, where do I read? This little reading plan has every scripture in the Bible at hand. So God, what day? (laughs) You know what I do? Is it January? I wait for unction. February? No unction. March? Oh, unction. We're gonna read somewhere in March. What day, Jesus? (laughs) And I listen for unction. This may sound really silly, but this is a way that we can actually physically, practically practice unction whenever we want. And it doesn't matter if you miss it. God uses it anyway. That's the wonderful thing. You can practice some more. <laughs> There's no bad way to practice as long as you're practicing. That's why I started doing. Sometimes the other thing I will do is I will go to the index. Genesis through Revelations. <laughs> Genesis, Lord, wait for unction. Exodus, Lord, No, not Leviticus, Lord. (laughs) You don't want me to read there. (laughs) People might think it's really crazy, but I learned these from other people who were really good at hearing God. The more you practice anything, the better you get at it. The more you practice reading your Bible and seeing what God wants to say to you, the more you're going to hear Him every time you pick up your Bible. It's important that we learn and practice our unction. Learn and practice our hearing. Yes, you can go, Lord, give me a scripture. And you know, wherever. Psalms 23. (laughs) Okay. We go to Psalms 23 and we say, okay, Lord, what's the first verse? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does that mean? See, if you can slow it down. Okay, Lord, you led me here. Now, what do you want me to see? You know, that's just it. Sometimes I go, oh yeah, I already know that scripture. (laughs) Okay, Lord, show me what you want me to see in this scripture. And we can start slowing it down and waiting on unction. Hmm, I shall not want. Maybe I should look that up. What does that really mean that I shall not want? And he starts to take things apart for you and speak to you. No, you will lack no good thing. And If you're in a place where you're worried about supply, The Holy Spirit says to you, no, you will lack no good thing. That's how he speaks to us. We just have to slow it down, listen with our mind, and listen with our unction. What I learned from all of this listening practice and this using my ears is that God is always willing to lead us and guide us into all the truth and into the ways that he wants us to go. Our Father loves us. He doesn't want us guessing at his will for us. He wants us to hear him and know him. And the best place to make sure we're hearing correctly is to go to the written word. Do you know what happens when you practice hearing and recognizing God's voice and God's unction? You get better at it. Now, no one is perfect, but the Holy Spirit can use even our mistakes and turn them and us for good. As the Lord has continued to train me up over the years to hear his voice and recognize his voice and his unction, he has led me into prophesying. Prophesying can sound sort of like a spooky word if you're not accustomed to it or have been around it. The most basic meaning of the word prophesy is to speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's unction. (laughs) It means to say what you hear God say. Everybody here who got up and read their card, you prophesied. It's exactly what you did. You heard God and you said what God said. That's prophesying. And one of the ways you can practice prophesying is to do what I gave you homework to do. God, is there someone you want me to pray for? Is there someone you want me to hear for? A lot of times what he will give you in the Word is simply what you're supposed to pray for somebody. And the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. There is power released when we speak. That's the power of prophecy. When we speak what God says, there is power released. We may not be able to see the butterflies, but they are still released. In 1 Corinthians 14, 1, the apostle Paul says this, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So to pursue is to chase with the idea of overtaking. So he's saying chase after unconditional love. And while you're doing that, desire the spiritual operations of the Holy Spirit, especially to prophesy. Now, who is he talking to? all believers no one is exempt from the ministry of prophesying in first corinthians 14 5 it says this now i want you all to speak in tongues now that's a whole other message <laughs> but that is what he says if you have the holy spirit you should be able to practice your prayer language you see all you got to do is start practicing When I first got my prayer language, I had to put my fingers in my ears so I would not hear the logic of my brain who kept telling me this is nonsense. This is just gobbledygook. I graduated from plugging my ears to worship music really loud (laughs) so that I couldn't hear anything other than what the Holy Spirit. I had to practice praying in the Spirit because I had so much indoctrination against it. So when the Lord led me into the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking with tongues, It wasn't easy for him. (laughs) I was a difficult case. (laughs) But again, anything we practice, we get better at. So he says, I want you all to pray in the Spirit, and I want you all to prophesy. And I like that he says, especially. I especially want you to prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14.5 says this, Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. Now the English here doesn't really translate it really well, the concept of what the Apostle Paul is trying to say. The person is not greater. That's where some have gotten off track. I prophesy. <laughs> No, (laughs) it is the operation of the Holy Spirit that's greater or of more value, especially in a church meeting. And so the Apostle Paul goes on to explain that. But his point is that all believers can and should prophesy. To prophesy is to hear what God is saying and then saying it. What comes forth is called a prophecy. Prophecy can be foretelling meaning that it has to do with the future or it can be forth telling, which is simply speaking out what God is saying in any area of life. It can be personal, governmental, financial, familial, it can be any realm of life. As we heard from the words that God gave each of you, it's all over the board. It's about hearing what God is saying. So remember that prophecy is not necessarily about something in the future. It is also simply speaking out or bringing forth what God has already said. And to tell somebody else what God has said. And the more we practice hearing while we're reading the Word, the better we get at it. And the more confidence we build in hearing God for ourselves and others, and the better we get at it. Then the next thing you need to know, the Holy Spirit is nudging you to bring forth a word at church, or a Bible study, or a prayer group, or with your family, or with your friends. And this is the goal, that what we practice at home, God is training you up, so that when you see someone at work, was in a bad place. You don't have to go home and get your Bible out to hear for them. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? And those words come. He can minister to somebody else through us on the spot. That's the idea, that we don't have to be timid about, is this God or is this not? Because, you know, that is our natural inclination when we hear God. Is this you or is it not? And so we get very timid. We don't want to give our word. Even though we went to God, we're pretty sure we've heard Him. <laughs> we don't want to give that word away because it might be wrong. We may not say it right. All of the fears that come in to shut down the operation of the Holy Spirit in us for somebody else. In 1 Corinthians 14, 3, it says this, the Apostle Paul, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to edification, exhortation, and comfort. And verse 4, He that prophesieth edifieth the church and he's talking about in church. The first thing on the list that prophecy brings is edification. The uh, definition for edification is building up, edifying, which means to instruct or improve knowledge or bring understanding or clarification and most importantly confirmation. One of the primary things of edification is confirmation which is exactly what the Lord did today for Heather. She wasn't sure her word was from God. So first thing, she meets somebody in the lobby today, and that lady says, I'm Shirley. Shirley, goodness and mercy. She'll follow me all the days of my life. And see, that lady didn't know. She was confirming. She was prophesying to Heather. You heard God just fine. You know what? We need that. That's why God's going to tell us the same thing two, three, four, five times. Because we get fearful that we haven't heard correctly. But one of the things about prophecy is confirmation God loves to confirm whatever he's already told you once he will tell you again and again and again and it's usually through reading the word or somebody else another believer usually but you know what I've had unbelievers talk to me by the power of the Holy Spirit and they had no clue (laughs) God will use whoever will be willing what I have found is that when you go to a prophetic ministry you're called out and you're given a word, usually nine times out of 10, that word will be completely familiar to you. It will be a confirmation or it'll be an answer to a prayer. It's something you've been thinking about. Usually prophetic ministry, if it's not about your future, will be familiar on some point. I have seen prophetic ministry where the minister says, you here, you should marry that person there. That would be very, very unusual, (laughs) unless God's already told those two people. (laughs) You have to be really careful about understanding the place of prophecy. It is to confirm, it is to build up, it is to improve what you already know, to give you more clarity. I did once have a prophecy spoken over me that it didn't bear witness at all. This lady that I knew really well, very spiritual, holy, you know, it wasn't like she was a crazy Christian who didn't know any better. <laughs> she came and she prayed for me and she spoke a word over me. And it was all about how God was going to bring healing into my life and all this other things. And I'm thinking, you already did all that. I understand the word. So she gets all done. I say, thank you. I'm like, I don't get it. <laughs> um, what do I do with this word? And the Lord said, just put it on the shelf. See, if you get something from God and you don't know why you got that, just put it on the shelf. Don't throw it away, you might need it. (laughs) Put it on the shelf for later because if it's God it's gonna come back. Now what ended up happening probably six months after that I started in a inner healing class and it basically just transformed my whole life when I learned how to operate in inner healing for myself and for others. And God said, remember that word that made no sense six months ago? That you thought, she's missed it. (laughs) She didn't miss it. God was simply going to verify, yes, you're on the right path. This is what I had planned for you. Sometimes looking back, we go, oh, now I see. Now I get it. (laughs) That's what the prophetic word will do. The second word listed is the word exhortation, which means to encourage, to encourage, to increase confidence of success, to inspire with courage, spirit, or strength of mind, to embolden, to animate, to insight, to inspire. It usually increases your faith for something you've already been praying about. I once gave a prophetic word to somebody who had been looking for a job. They had been seeking a job for quite some time. And I gave a prophetic word over them during the service. And I said, your job that you're looking for is so close, it's right around the corner. You can't see it, but it's right around the corner. And you know what? It takes faith to say that. (laughs) Okay, God, I'm trusting you because this person's been looking for a job for a while. (laughs) The very next day, he got a job offer. To this day, many, many, many years later, he still remembers. You know what that word does to this day? It encourages him that God knows right where I am at and whatever I need he's bringing to me and I just need to be patient. You see, a prophetic word 15 years ago doesn't go away. When we receive it and we see what God has done him that he's true to his word increases our faith. Not just for today, but like for the rest of our life. We keep going back to those victories going, God, I remember when you said it and you did it. (laughs) That's the power of a prophetic word. The third thing on the list is comfort. A prophetic word can bring comfort. It can refresh your spirit. It can bring relief in affliction. It can bring hope for the future. I like the word that PJ got. God has an open door for you. That means somebody either was trying to close a door on you, or God's gonna open up a new opportunity for you. But whatever he's calling you to go through, go do, no one else can stop it. And that's God's word. You see, that says in your future, there is some stuff happening, but I've already gone before. I've already made these plans for you and you're gonna walk right in them. What does that do? It gives us hope. When you're in a place of distress, you need hope. (laughs) You need comfort. When God first started working with me on giving people words, I was a little baby. You see, he'll train us up. We don't go from nothing into standing before nations and declaring the will of God over them. You don't make that jump. You go baby step by baby step. I was at church, and the Lord said, go tell that person I'm not mad at them. Now, in the church that I went to, that was important. <laughs> because everybody in that church thought God was mad at them for something. <laughs> I went up to them, and I said, I believe God is saying this. He wants me to tell you, he's not mad at you. And he looked at me like, I don't get it. And I said, then your faith goes, oh, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he went, oh. And the tears started coming. He had filed bankruptcy. And he was sure God was mad that he had disappointed his father. God said, no, not mad. You see, a little word, something simple can change the course of another person's life. We underestimate the power of sending out scriptures to people. We underestimate the power of speaking a scripture or a word with something we hear God saying. We can change people's lives even if it's just a little tiny thing. You think that guy who was crying because God's not mad at him, you think his life wasn't changed? Of course it was. Otherwise, Satan's gonna beat his brains out for the rest of his life about what a failure he is to God. But yet, a little word. When he recognized, when someone recognizes, there's no way you could have known that. There's no way, There has to be God. It's worth giving a word. It's worth giving a word. Only God knows what will encourage, confirm, build up, or comfort someone else. He knows that sometimes we receive grace better through another believer. Sometimes He knows we're having trouble taking and receiving, so He sends His word through somebody else, so that it will encourage us, it will increase our faith, it will comfort us, because we know... I didn't have to hear it, somebody heard it for me. (laughs) They didn't get it mixed up with all of my emotions. We sometimes take more comfort in somebody else getting the word for us because we know they didn't have the ability to mess it up like we do. The more I used my ears and practiced my listening for God's voice, the more confidence I had that I was hearing God. And then the more confidence I had that I was hearing God, the more confidence I had to step out and share with others when I was hearing. Another word for confidence is faith. And as our confidence grows in our ability to hear, the more we will hear and the more we will grow in our ability to prophesy. Whatever we practice, we grow. I'm still practicing and growing in confidence. This past week, I did my homework too. (laughs) I asked the Lord who I should practice on. And I guessed at it a couple of times, this person? No unction. This person. No unction. And sometimes when we're trying to hear, it's best just to walk away from it. So I went, Okay, you let me know. And I went into the kitchen and a name came. Just happened to be the name Heather. (laughs) Oh, okay, I'm gonna practice on Heather this week. When I first started, to read with my God monitor turned on, it felt a little strange. You see, I do this all the time, but now I'm doing it for homework, right? (laughs) And it feels like a little bit of pressure. (laughs) Now I've got to make it work. No, I don't. You see, we do that. We get all under pressure, and I was like, oh, I'm not sure this is God because, like, we have to make God show up. We don't make nothing happen. (laughs) In fact, the more we try to hear God, the worse it gets. (laughs) It is relaxing and saying, no, my God monitor is on. You just talk to me as I go. And so I went to bed, and I hadn't read my Bible that day, so I'm going to read, I'm going to practice for Heather. Okay, get out the Bible. Okay, Lord, where? Okay, Jeremiah. Okay, what chapter? Hmm. And I start reading, and I'm reading, and I'm reading, I'm like, this is not for Heather. <laughs> this is false prophets, and being accused, and it's like, no, this is not for Heather. It's okay to get wrong. What am I doing? Practicing. Practice doesn't have to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. So I'm like, okay, maybe I'm just tired. I'll try again tomorrow. So, the next day practicing forever. Okay, Lord, where should I read? And so God gave me Romans 10. And it is the same as it is for all of you. When you first get it, it nudges you. It pokes you. But you don't necessarily understand why it's nudging you and why it's poking you. <laughs> so it says this. This is in the New American Standard. Whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord over all abounding in riches for all who call upon him I had to go hmm well I kind of get the first part God doesn't want you to be disappointed he's working in your life that's easy right like but no distinction between Jew and Greek (laughs) I need a little help here Jesus (laughs) and the Lord said no no think about it in this context see God will also talk to us in context what is he actually talking about that there is no distinction, there is no favoritism between Jew and Greek. What I believe the Lord was saying was, I believe you're believing for something specific and you haven't seen it yet. And the Lord wants to remind you that He is the one who brings forth the fruit of our faith. Keep trusting Him. But also, the no distinction in particular means, don't pay attention to the natural situations. God's goodness overrides what looks like a natural advantage, the Jew, or the disadvantage of being a Gentile. God's will for us is to abound in riches, both spiritually and physically. And when I was thinking about this, God said, you know what? Those first scriptures were for her. And God said this to me. He said, at work, when you're working in administration you only get to use black and white and you happen to like all the colors in the crayon box (laughs) but at work you're called to just use the black crayon and he says and because of that you sometimes feel like you're the false prophet you're the one being accused of not being good enough and he says you are plenty good enough you are prophetic I heard the Lord say there's a reason you like all those colors in the crayon box he's calling you to prophetic ministry in some kind of art I know you like to color So perhaps that's the avenue where he will give you pictures, whether you color them or you create them. But he says you're going to prophesy to people and bring healing to people through your artwork and through your prophetic gifting. He says you are called to prophetic ministry. You are called to prophetic ministry. So don't let what the natural realm says tell you you are unqualified. In Christ, there is no distinction. There is no natural advantage of somebody over you. You are called to prophesy. I want to encourage everyone to keep using your ears. The ears that come on the inside of our mind and the ears that live in our unction. (laughs) We hear Him. And the more we practice hearing Him, the more we practice following our unction. We can do small silly things like I shared with you today, but that's the great thing is that He always shows up for unction practice. He always shows up for prophecy practice. He always shows up for worship practice. He always shows up for reading practice. He always shows up so that he can grow us up in the things that he wants to do in us and through us. All of us, the Apostle Paul says, is called to prophesy. Amen? Father God, I thank you for your word and your truth. I thank you that you stretch us, that you call us to do and be more than we think we can. Help us, Father God, to see what you've called us to walk into in fullness. So much of what you have for us is still on the shelf. We didn't understand it when you gave it to us. We didn't understand it when you called us to it. But Lord, we kept them. We know that you are the things that you've spoken. We know the promises that you've given. We know, Father God, the things that you have inside of us. And so, Father God, I ask that you would help us to keep practicing, practicing your presence, practicing our hearing, practicing our unction, practicing reading your word and hearing you and seeing you, and practice prophesying. Father God, we thank you that you have anointed us to prophesy. In Jesus' name, amen.